I just saw the cover and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to love it. So I just, I don't even need to hear any more about it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey readers, I'm Ann Bogle and this is What Should I Read Next? Episode 163. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. I got the following email this week from listener Andrea. She says, I so enjoyed listening to you and Whitney discuss narrowing down your TBR shelves this week because this is a frequent topic of conversation between my mom and I. My mom, Dawn, is one of the most voracious readers I know, but that's where the similarities end between our reading methods. My mom is a diehard ebook reader, and thanks to your great ebook deals newsletter, she has amassed a digital collection in the hundreds. Even at her rate of reading 100 plus books a year, she can't get through them all and has a backlog of 300 plus ebooks she hasn't read. This year, much like Whitney, she set a challenge for herself and has been reading almost exclusively books she already owned, starting with the oldest. 11 months in, she's already read all of the books she purchased in 2014 through 2016. On the other hand, I exclusively read books in print and only allow myself to buy one book at a time. This self-limitation started a few years ago when I had accumulated a TBR shelf that, while small, took up precious space in my Seattle studio apartment. So I decided that since I lived only blocks away from the wonderful Elliott Bay Book Company, I would buy one book at a time, and that would be a book that I wanted to take home and begin reading that night. Then I would narrow down my collection into books I had read and loved and have a great excuse to visit the bookstore all the time. Fast forward a few years and I'm still dedicated to the same method, albeit in a different city, that's Portland, visiting another great bookstore, Powell's, and with much bigger bookshelves. Neither method is better or best. They're just what's working for our reading styles and lifestyles. And we amuse one another with our differing antics. Thank you, Anne, for filling our TBRs. This is such a great story. Thank you so much for writing, Andrea. Readers, I love hearing from you. If you have a What Should I Read Next story to tell, email our producer, Brenna, at Brenna at ModernMrsDarcy.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-A at ModernMrsDarcy.com. To listen to the episode Andrea was referring to, that is with Whitney Conard. It's episode 158 called The Life-Changing Magic of Clearing Your Unread Shelf. And you can find those great ebook deals she was referring to every day at modernmrsdarcy.com, or you can subscribe to get those emailed to you at modernmrsdarcy.com slash subscribe. This week's guest, Ashley Gossens, created a nature-driven Seattle book club that brings the page to life in an adventurous, completely unique way. We're talking about the up-close encounter with wildlife that made a book real to her, what nature has taught her about motherhood, and the particular magical way a book can affect your confidence. Today's episode is a little short, perfect for listening to outdoors during a walk, a run, or simply sitting on the porch, breathing a little fresh air. Let's get to it. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super, I'm super excited. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to chatting. And it's always a pleasure to talk to anyone who describes themselves as book obsessed. <laughs> yes, I'm very much so. <laughs> obsessed how? What does that look like? I read pretty much every day. Uh, okay, maybe this tells you a lot about how obsessed I am. I have a spreadsheet where I keep track 
of every book that I've read, every book that I want to read. I don't keep spreadsheets myself, but I love to hear about reader spreadsheets. How long have you been keeping this? For a couple of years now, but I've been using Goodreads since like 2010. So I kind of went back and went through all those books that I read over the years and which was actually a really fun project. <laughs> so that's almost a decade's worth of data. What patterns jumped out at you over time about your reading life when you did that? A lot of nonfiction, actually. Um, I was surprised to see how much nonfiction I was reading. I keep track of a little bit of information about the author. So if they're male or female, I read a lot of female authors. I was pleasantly surprised <laughs> to see that. Did that review of your reading life change anything about the way you go forward? Yeah, it definitely made me want to read more diverse books and more diverse authors. Yeah. And I kind of keep track of the genre and just like a little bit of what the book is about. Like if it's at a certain place or, you know, I read a lot of outdoors and nature books. So I kind of keep track of how many of those I read. I read a lot of memoirs. Tell me more about yourself and the outdoors. I've always loved the outdoors. I grew up in like rural Pennsylvania and, you know, we basically lived in the woods as kids. So I've always had that love of the outdoors. And when I moved to Seattle, this whole new world opened up to me, which is the Cascade Mountains in Washington. There's just endless trails and, and outdoor opportunities here. And I just started exploring and wanted to look everywhere and see all these beautiful places and travel um, around the state. And I found that reading books that sort of relate to where I'm going, I, I try to look for a lot of local authors and try to find books that are specifically about the places that I'm going to. And I find that that really brings something a little extra to you know my outdoor adventures that I really, really enjoy. Because those are my two favorite things, hiking and reading. <laughs> so <laughs> putting those two things together. <laughs> so if you can combine reading and nature, that's your happy place. Yeah, definitely. So you actually have a book club that explicitly combines these things. And I was checking it out. You have a lot of members. Were you surprised to find out you weren't the only one that really loves combining the outdoors and reading? Yeah, I was surprised about that. I kind of looked for a club like this and I didn't find anything. And I was really surprised, actually, just because, you know, there was so much around the book Wild by Cheryl Strayed. You know, people were very excited about it. So I looked for something and I didn't find anything. So I was like, well, I'll just I'll just start one. <laughs> so I did. And I, you know, I've gotten such great response. I think there's something that sort of unlocks you know, our sense of wonder and curiosity that I think is pretty universal. You know, people really, really gravitate towards um, learning new things. And, and there's something just about being in the outdoors that's, you know, refreshing. And we have our phones off. And we're all just talking about something that we love. It's been a really rewarding and wonderful experience with the book club. What is a book club meeting seems like the wrong word, but what is a book club meeting like? Well, we call them outings. So we usually pick a book and then we pick some kind of adventure or activity that relates to the book. So for example, for our November outing, we read The Mushroom Hunters by Langdon Cook. I got in touch with him because he lives in Seattle. Uh, he took us out mushroom hunting. What? 
Yeah. <laughs> so, what was that like? Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. He was really excited about it and he wanted to take us to his like special secret mushroom patch. We ended up finding this like gorgeous forest with like the light shining through the trees and it was like magical. <laughs> we found a whole bunch of chanterelle mushrooms and he gave us a recipe. So we all cooked that night and, you know, shared our dishes and yeah, it was a really great experience. That sounds incredible. Is that a typical meeting? You can mushroom hunting with the author. What else have you all done? <laughs> we read H's for Hawk and we met up with a local falconer and he showed us his birds. You know, we got to like wear the gloves and, and put on the little things that cover their eyes. I forget what they're called, but it was really neat to get that other side of that book to see what it would really be like for Helen who wrote the book. Wow. You've mentioned before that you've noticed something counterintuitive about reading in nature. Yeah, so it seems counterintuitive to be home reading is not really going to connect you to the outdoors, but... I find that it's the opposite. I think we all have this curiousness in us, this childlike curiosity and sense of wonder that we can really explore when we read books. And then to go out into nature and be able to connect the words on the page to to what you're seeing, I think is really rewarding. And it just gives me a sense of you know, belonging. And I just, I'm kind of a nerd. So I like to know interesting facts about (laughs) where I'm going, or, you know, I like to know the plants and the trees that we're hiking in. So to me, I feel confident when I'm out there. You know, I know a lot more about where I am. It's just a neat way to connect to nature and the outdoors. That's so interesting that you feel comfortable in nature, not only because you spent time in nature, but because you spent time not in nature with your books. Yeah, definitely. It seems strange, but it's just another way to love nature is just to read about it. I don't think I'm a very imaginative person, so (laughs) it helps me to read other people's descriptions, beautiful language about the connections with the outdoors. And that's something that I really love. I can't wait to hear more about that. Are you ready to talk about your books? Yes, I am. Readers, we send a lot of mail from the Modern Mrs. Darcy shop, especially this time of year, and we do it with the help of Stamps.com. Okay, well, you know how this works, Ashley. You are going to tell me three books you love, one book you don't, and what you're reading now, and we will talk about what you may enjoy reading next. Tell me about your first favorite. St. Lucy's Home for Girls Raised by Wolves by Karen Russell. This is a collection of short stories. It's all about these kind of creepy children growing up and they all sort of have dysfunctional families and they all kind of live in weird situations like the one girl lives in the swamps of Florida in an amusement park it's like this alligator theme park one of my favorite stories is the title story actually where there's a school for girls raised by werewolves so these are all little wolf girls and they are being civilized by a group of nuns they're forced to conform So I really love this book because, you know, there's nothing new about kids growing up and having growing pains, but the way that she describes their situations and the imagery and the sense of place that Karen really can explain and her kind of over-the-top magical realism, I really love. I just love kind of the ridiculous situations like, you know, there's these brothers that are looking for their dead sister with these magic goggles, a little bit of magic and just a really strong sense of place. I think she grew up or she lives in Florida. You know, I've read this book probably a decade ago, and I still can remember vividly 
the pictures from those stories that are in my head, which I love. So when you say that you love reading about nature, it doesn't necessarily have to be someplace you could go actually physically. Yeah, true. It can definitely be an imaginative place. It doesn't have to be a real place. Okay. Ashley, tell me about another book you love. The 13th Tale by Diane Setterfield. This is the story of a mysterious author. Her name is Vita Winter, which I love. And she's famous for her collection of stories. She's pretty mysterious and she's been kind of making up alternate lives for herself. So nobody really knows a whole lot about her life. As she ages, she wants to tell the truth about her past. So she finds this unknown biographer Her name is Margaret, and she's like thrown into Vita's life and stays with her and and learns about her past. And Vita lives in this big mansion in the English countryside. And so you really get a feeling of what it's like in that space. It's sort of a gothic mystery, and there's ghosts, and there's a mysterious garden, and a devastating fire, and lots of books. (laughs) I love books about books, and I like novels that are set, you know, in in an old mansion or a house that has so much history. And the main character, Margaret, she goes through some self-discovery and some growth. I like those strong female characters who really grow throughout the book and learn about themselves. Ashley, what's the third book you love? So the third book I love is called Breeding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmer. The subtitle kind of tells a lot about this book. It's Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge, and the Teaching of Plants. Robin is a botanist. She's a professor. She's a mother, and she's a Native American. And she shows that science can be enriched by the ancient knowledge of Indigenous people. She spends her life learning about plants and kind of relating that to her teachings that she learned growing up with her Native American heritage. She talks a lot about reciprocity. So what we put into our environment, you know, is what we get back out of it. She talks a lot about gratitude and she just has so much wisdom. And she talks a lot about motherhood, which I am just learning about on my own. I have a two-year-old, so it's nice to read her wisdom. She talks about how she shows her love for her daughters by picking strawberries and making maple syrup. And there's just something I love about that connection between, you know, being outdoors and, and being able to show that to our children. That's a way that we can love them is by teaching them these things. How did you find this book? Oh, geez. I probably just found it at a bookstore, <laughs> just browsing. <laughs> and it has a beautiful cover. It has this sort of braid of sweet grass on the front. You know, I see something like that and I'm like, I need to read that. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, tell me about a book that wasn't for you. This is a really beloved book. Oh. Yeah, that everybody seems to love except for me. So, yeah. But I'm one of those people who, you know, I think there's a time for reading every book. And maybe it just wasn't my time for this book. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a man called Ove. So this is... You know, the grumpy old man whose wife dies and and he has to figure out how to go on living. He's actually trying to kill himself, I think, in the beginning of the book. You know, I'm, I'm very sensitive to the depression and the issues of suicide. I just found the writing was not very compelling. I just didn't really get a sense of the Swedish countryside where he's living. There wasn't anything surprising about the book kind of knew, okay, grumpy old man, he's going to find something that he loves and turn into the sweet old man. But (laughs) it's kind of predictable to me. There's no mystery. I know a lot of people love it, but it's just, it just wasn't for me. Okay. A couple things. Whenever you feel like you're the only one, I don't want to ever say never, but 
I'm going to say never and say it's never just you. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, I could not get into this book when I tried to read it on paper and really love the audio version. Just putting that out there. However, this book's tone is definitely different from your favorites. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing that. What are you reading right now, Ashley? Florida by Lauren Groff, uh-huh. which is another collection of short stories set in Florida, actually. <laughs> She talks a lot about motherhood again. Her imagery is just amazing. My favorite story is the first story in the book where she has to get away from her kids and her husband. So she just runs every night through her neighborhood and it's dark out. And she talks about how she can like see people in the windows and kind of wonders about their lives. And she sees one of her friends actually and is a little embarrassed. It's just beautiful writing, scenery and vivid descriptions of normal everyday things, but she just does it in such a way that is just compelling. And I just couldn't put the book down. And it's my first book that I'm reading by Lauren Groff. I want to read everything by her now. That's a fun feeling to find an author that makes you want to read everything they've ever written all at once. Yes. It's very exciting. How did you end up picking that up? The cover is gorgeous. It's like black and it just has this picture of a panther, but its head is sort of cut off. It just says Florida in big letters. And I was like, wow, that has to be a great book about Florida. (laughs) You have two short story collections you're really enjoying right now. Do you know that's something you like as a genre? Yeah, I do tend to really like short stories. What is it about it? Do you know? I think because everything is sort of compact. The level of description needs to kind of be on the next level to kind of cram it all into such a short story instead of having a whole novel to spend, you know, explaining and developing characters. It's just like sort of a condensed version of that, which usually means it's a little more over the top to get you, you know, really compelled to keep reading. So I think that's what I like about them. Okay. That's good to know. Ashley, is there anything you want to be different in your reading life? I read a lot of nonfiction. So I would, like to read more fiction. I like a little bit of magic. I like, you know, obviously the nature and the outdoors, but it doesn't have to be really heavy handed with the nature and the outdoors. It can be just a little sprinkling books that have a really great sense of place. Tell me a little bit more about what you've noticed about loving a little bit of nature and also magic on the fringes of your stories. I really love the connection between sort of everyday life and then connecting that to my outdoor adventure side. So anytime that I can bring a little bit of that into my everyday life, it just makes me really happy and gives me uh, a sense of like peace and connection. For example, Florida, you know, she's talking about a lot of regular everyday things, but I really like that connection between the two of, you know, everyday life and nature. And the magic thing, I I don't know. I think that's just something that I've always loved is a little bit of magic since I was a kid. So I don't know. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. (laughs) I love it. That's a great description. (laughs) So I'm noticing that makes you feel warm and fuzzy, even though that doesn't mean the content is like happy and friendly. Yes, definitely. But it's transportive. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be fun. I have ideas for you. Yeah, I'm so excited. (laughs) You are very self-aware about what's going on in your reading life. You know that you love books about books, although I don't know that's the direction we're going today. You love all things outdoors and you love it when that love of the outdoors can be imbued in your books. I'm thinking that you don't necessarily want a treatise on nature, although I bet you'd read one. Would you read one? Yeah, definitely. I feel like with braiding sweetgrass, you show that you're happy to go in that direction, but I'm thinking more about books that are steeped in nature and magic. Not that it's the explicit story, but it's essential to the foundation of the story. 
Yes, exactly. We have options. So your Alpine Lily book club has been going for how long now? For two years. Okay. I feel like you could have read a lot with your book club and everything, but do you all read more nonfiction than fiction? Does that leave me some openings to maybe find a book you haven't read? Yes, we definitely lean towards nonfiction. I try to throw in one or two fiction books a year just to kind of keep everybody fresh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Ashley, first, I got to say that there are two books that I feel are probably already on your radar that I think are going to make you very happy. And I just want to give those a nudge. Diane Satterfield's new book came out December 4th. It's called Once Upon a River. It has mystery and magic and a child that comes out of the river. They think she is dead and then she wakes up and it doesn't seem possible. And everybody thinks, what is happening here? This is not as it should be. And there's just some really broody, mysterious characters. And the whole novel just felt like it was in this thick mist in the community. So I want to make sure that since you love the 13th tale, Once Upon a River makes it to your reading list. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm like trying not to squeal because I'm so excited about this book. (laughs) I'm happy to hear it. And I didn't know much about it because I just saw the cover and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to love it. So I just, I don't even need to hear any more about it. (laughs) You describing it just makes me even more excited for it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I hope, I hope it delivers for you. Another one that I don't want you to miss is Lauren Groff's debut, which is called The Monsters of Templeton. Do you know anything else about it? Yeah, I've heard of it. I think it's, is it set in New York? It is. And it came out 10 years ago now. Uh, There's a swamp monster in the town's lake. And that discovery leads to some buried secrets being uncovered. Ooh, yes. This sounds perfect. (laughs) So I think that might be the right combination of author, setting, and substance. Yes, definitely. Okay, fantastic. All right, now for the ones that might be less obvious to you. Ashley, I'm going to start with the one that I feel less sure about. There's definitely some reasons why I think it might not be for you, but I think the reasons for you to read it outweigh that. So with that serious hedging happening, (laughs) let me tell you about Harry's Trees by John Cohen. Do you know anything about this book? I have heard of it and it's actually on my bookshelf, but I haven't read it yet. Like the actual book is on your bookshelf? Yes. Okay. Well, good. That makes me feel better that you have self-selected it for you. My only hesitation really is that it has some strong similarities to A Man Called Uva. Yeah. I was afraid of that actually, which I think is why I haven't opened it up yet. (laughs) Now, I know a whole lot of people just jotted it down on their reading list right now because I said that, which is the opposite of what you're doing. But okay, now let me make a case for it for you. So the similarities to Uva, the tone a little bit, and then this begins the story about grief. But here's what I like about it for you. First of all, it is set in the forest in the middle of Pennsylvania. John Cohen is from Pennsylvania. He's writing about what he knows, which is the same thing that you know. And I really love the potential there for you as a reader. Did you know that? Yeah, that's actually the main reason why I picked it up. This is totally a book about books and the people who love them. So Harry's trees. Harry is our main character. Something terrible happens to him early in the story. There's also a nurse named Amanda. Something terrible happens to her early in the story. And these two people come together in the trees in a way that is unlikely and powerful and sweet, but I don't think too saccharine for you. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, but it's so fun. There's a little girl named Oriana. And if that sounds like kind of a name that could come out of a fairy tale, you're totally right. She loves books. Her local librarian has given her a book that comes to be very important to her. And the way 
John Cohen weaves together the book within the book and the story of these two people and the story of the community and the library is really satisfying. And what I especially like about this for you is that John Cohen is a big believer in the enchantment of the everyday. And this book, it has the magic on the fringes that you're looking for. And I feel like when you're reading it and you're picturing it in your mind, you can see it. Everything just sparkles just a little bit with this air of possibility. And this is the normal world. I mean, there's nothing in that book that couldn't happen, but it just feels a little bit extra in a way that's really fun for the reader. And sad things happen in this book. So it's not like we're just skipping through the forest happily and our, you know, our shoes are made of red glitter or whatever. But I think it has the nature, the magic, and it also has really lovely character development. I think this book might be uh, higher on the charming spectrum than you usually read, but I think it's got enough going for it that when that book spoke to you and you put it on your actual bookshelf, I think something in you knew like, oh yeah, that's for me. Yeah, that sounds great. I love that there's a little girl and connections to libraries that just, yeah, (laughs) I love that. There's a lot in there to make people who love books really happy. Okay. Now we're going to go around the world. The book I'm thinking of is Purple Hibiscus by uh, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Have you read this? No, I do not know this one. Have you read anything by her? No, but I've, I've heard of her, yeah. Okay. Oh, she's amazing. Here's what I love about this for you. It is a story steeped in atmosphere. This is about a 15-year-old girl and her older brother there in Nigeria. They have the trappings of a really great life and they are, generally speaking, safe from what's going on out there in the world. Except beneath the surface, things are not as they seem. She does such a great job in writing realistic fiction with characters that are so believable. They feel like real people. And her writing is just so strong and powerful. I love as a reader to feel like I'm in good hands when I trust the author with my time and my attention and to ease into the story. This is a story filled with books also and is really steeped in its setting. Like the way she paints the pictures of the Nigerian countryside, this story had to be set where it is. And Adichie wants you to feel like you're there. It's very atmospheric. And I think that's something that makes you happy as a reader. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds wonderful. I don't know much about Nigeria. So I, yeah, I would love to read that and learn more. This is her debut. She was only like 25 when she wrote it, which absolutely blows my mind. If you read this, definitely keep going with her work. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And the next book I'm thinking about, it's more explicitly back in the nature writing category, but it's a novel. It's called The Overstory. It's by Richard Powers. Do you know this one? Yes, this one is also on my bookshelf. Really? Okay, tell me how it ended up on your bookshelf. Well, it's about trees and... (laughs) Yep. Honestly, I just saw the cover and I was like, I need to read this. So a lot of times I'll just shamelessly, you know, judge it by its cover and buy it. I've heard of the author, so I know that it's going to be good. But yeah, I don't know too much more about it. So tell me more. This is a really interesting story. It's also a really large story. So he has lots of room to explore, which is totally what he does. This is an intricate book. There is a lot going on here. And what he's doing is exploring the lives of nine different people. And he does so in a series of stories, which only over time do you realize the connections between them and how the lives fit together. And because you love short story collections, I don't think this is a bad thing for you. Some readers find that 
format a little bit tricky to follow. They just want to sink in with one set of characters and plow on through, but I don't think you're going to have that problem at all. All these stories involve dramatic experiences with trees. And it's a slow build because it takes a while for nine different people's stories to come together, but they do in a really interesting way. The most explicit scientific thread through the story is through the perspective of one researcher who's discovered that the trees communicate with each other and her colleagues thinks that she is crazy, but she's really passionate about her work. And that really gives the overstory its momentum. So there's the researcher, there's some eco-terrorism, there's complicated relationships. And it's really interesting what Powers is able to do with this theme because he can explore the importance of the trees and nature. In this book, he's exploring both the importance of the environment and the importance of the connections between humans and the environment, which we know is something that you're really going to resonate with. But it's not done in an explanatory way. It's done through the lens of story. It's big. You have to have patience and you have to care about trees. And I think you have those things. When you are describing it, I picture sort of these roots, you know, spread all over the ground and kind of growing into one big tree. And yeah, I'm really excited about this book. I'm glad to hear it. I can't believe two of these were on your shelves. Okay, so first of all, we talked about Once Upon a River and The Monsters of Templeton, two books for your TBR. Then of the books I recommended today, Harry's Trees, Purple Hibiscus, and The Overstory. Of those three books, what do you think you'll read next? Ooh, I think I'm going to start with The Overstory. Uh, no, I might start with Harry's Trees, just because I'm kind of in the mood for something a little charming and magical. Yeah, I think I'll start with that one. Charming and magical. Sounds good to me. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for talking books with me today. Hey, readers, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Ashley today, and I'd love to hear what you think she should read next. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 163. That's 163. And it's where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. You can learn more about Ashley's book club at alpinelily.com and on Instagram at alpine underscore lily. That's at alpine underscore L-I-L-Y. Next week, I'm talking to high school sweethearts, Chelsea and Curtis, who, despite having completely different reading styles, relied on books to stay in touch even when they're an ocean away from each other. Here's a sneak peek. Does this ever happen accidentally that you both read something that you both enjoy? I'd say the accidental part would be when we're on a road trip and have an audiobook in the car and Chelsea thinks that I'm sleeping and <laughs> she'll have something on that I normally wouldn't think that I would enjoy, but I actually come to love it. So you've accidentally had the experience that lots of readers try to find on purpose, which is, I never thought that book would be for me, but it was amazing. Yep. <laughs> okay. Those were more blips on our reading life than normal circumstances. So now we're looking for books that we can read together intentionally and discuss. Subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We'll see you next week. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B is in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next. Stay up to date on all the latest What Should I Read Next news and happenings by subscribing to our newsletter. That's at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter. And readers, if you are in the gift giving spirit this year, would you give us the gift of an Apple podcast review? It would mean the world to 
us and to your fellow book lovers as well, because your reviews help more listeners find our show. Thanks to the people who make the show happen. What Should I Read Next is produced by Brenna Frederick with sound design by Kellen Bekacek. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.